Welcome to episode number 35 of Talking Mopars. Today, we are talking about old school Mopar drag cars and how awesome they are to hunt, find, revive, and drive. Because saving them is vital in keeping that Mopar quarter mile culture alive. We're also talking Project Car of the Week, high performance parts, and listener stories. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast driven podcast on planet Earth. And I am your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Hello, hello. Welcome back, my friends. Man, last week was a doozy. (laughs) I'll say that. You know, we had Listener Appreciation Week, and then we had another installment of Direct Connections with my friend Blake from DIYHemi.com. That was a great episode, lots of great stories, and lots of great information. If you have not heard that episode, after this one, go back, check out Direct Connections with Blake from DIYHemi.com. It was a good one. Let it be known that... Talking Mopars will be doing more Direct Connections episodes. That was the plan from the beginning, and I'm starting to get more comfortable during these things. So be on the lookout for more Direct Connections in the not-so-distant future. In other news, if you want to submit your Mopar story to Talking Mopars for me to read on the show, or if you want to hear yourself on the show, all you have to do is email me, chris at talkingmopars.com. Tell me your Mopar story, and maybe you're not much of a typist. I get it. Maybe you're more of a talker. Well, then all you have to do is leave me a voice message on my voicemail. The number is 209-28-MOPAR. Leave me a voice message, and I will play it here on the show. Those are always a lot of fun. I always love hearing from listeners and hearing the Mopar stories that you have to tell. Because sometimes I just don't tell them good enough. Let's be honest. I'd rather hear them from you anyway. So feel free to give me a call. Leave me a voice message. Once again, the number is 209-28-MOPAR couple more things and we'll get the show on the road, I promise. Check this out. Go to TalkingMopars.com, go to the tab that says store, and then follow the link. And that will take you to my merch shop. You can get t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts. We have a sticker. We've got some mugs. We've got all sorts of fun stuff. Ordering those products is a great way to show your support for Talking Mopars and you'll get something cool in return. It's a win-win situation and I appreciate all you guys even if all you do is listen. If you're sitting there and you're going, Chris, you know, I don't want a t-shirt. That's fine. I don't mind. But it does help me out. Helping us get this show on the road today are my friends at HemiPages.com. HemiPages is organizing the Mopar aftermarket. So what I need you to do is after this show, I need you to go to HemiPages.com and just take a look around. You're going to see a list of shops. You're going to see events. You're going to see news, classifieds, articles, and more. Wait a second, Chris, did you say shops? Yes, if you go to hemipages.com, you can click on shops and browse by category. You can find parts stores, dealerships, engine builders, fabricators, and more. Folks, this is going to be the place to go, so do me a favor. Go to hemipages.com, bookmark it, put it in your favorites list, put it on your home screen. Folks, hemipages.com is the place to go, so be sure to check it out now. Let's get this show on the road. 
This week's project car of the week is a retired drag car. Now, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know how much I love vintage Mopar drag cars. I think they're awesome and they deserve to be saved. And that's actually the whole point of this episode and why I chose this GTX as project car of the week. So this car was posted Wednesday, June 3rd at 12 p.m. Let's get into the ad. 1968 GTX drag car, $10,500. 1968 Plymouth GTX, a real GTX, not a clone. Originally 444 speed Dana car. This has been a drag car from the 1970s until it was retired approximately 11 years ago. Body, solid. No damage or repairs, floorboard and frame, solid. A small spot of rust on rear quarter panel. I think this is due from moist tire rubber. Burnouts. Rear window lower area has very small spot, not rusted through. All the door hardware, interior, wiring windows, etc. were removed to reduce weight. Has Lexan windshield, side windows, and door windows. Back glass is original. 10-point cage. Trunk lid is original but has been skinned. Fiberglass hood and front fenders. Aluminum dash with authentic SW green line gauges. Bucket seats are from a GT40 replica. Drivetrain 440 board 40 over, KB forged 10 to 1 pistons. Aluminum rods, forged steel crank. DC Hemi mains, Mylodon 10-quart oil pan, windage tray, high-volume oil pump, DC 590-lift flat tappet cam, DC adjustable rockers, HD push rods, mechanless ported heads, DC aluminum water pump and housing, hooker headers, MP intake, Holly Dominator carb, one-wire magneto-type distributor, Taylor 8mm plug wires, aluminum valve covers. This engine was built by mechanless and can take high RPM. 727 with Transgo shift kit, Hemi bands, TCI 3000 stall converter, Hurst shifter, line lock not hooked up, 8 and 3 quarter rear, center section all new components, 456 gears, spool, MW hardened axles, green pairings, extended wheel studs, new disc brakes, DC bias leaf springs, miscellaneous, 16 to 1 police manual steering box, Willwood front disc brakes and spindles, torque thrust front wheels, chrome rear wheels with Hoosier slicks, lots of life left, front tires are new. Frame connectors, six-cylinder torsion bars. Rear springs can be moved back inward for a narrowed rear. I moved them back to original position. New jazz fuel cell and trunk, new Holly electric fuel pump and regulator. I'm sure there are a few things I'm missing, but I've already written too much. My intentions were to bring it back late 60s style drag car that I remember and like. I have another drag car project with some other projects in front of this, and I don't believe I'll get to this. This hasn't seen the track in over 11 years. I had it out for a few test runs over three years ago. The last it was started was almost two years ago. The trans seal started leaking, and I'm sure some things will need attention before pounding the pavement. I don't need to sell, so don't bother with lowball offers. Just move along. I'm pretty much firm on the price. This is stored in the back of the shop. Therefore, serious buyer only. I have the previous owner's notarized bill of sale and my purchase bill of sale. This is a New Mexico car, and titles are not required after a number of years. No title will furnish a bill of sale. Title status is missing. Alrighty, folks. So... Here we have a retired drag race car, and like I said a little bit ago, I'm a big fan of these types of cars. Here's the thing. If you think that you can just go buy one of these old retired drag cars and just take it to the track and go racing, you may be in for a world of hurt because who knows what kind of condition these cars are really in and how beat on they were. You have to assume a retired race car was beat to hell. So what I would do if this was my car and I decided to buy it, I would go through the whole thing. So the cage obviously isn't certified, so you're going to have to look into that. You might have to put a new cage in it if you can't get the one that's in it certified. I imagine when this car was built, you know, it probably wasn't built to the same standards that we have today, but who knows? So, you know, I really like the idea of these cars, even though some of them can't be used on the street. I'm a drag race guy. I like these old super stock drag car style 
Mopars. I think they're awesome. And this one, you know, start from the inside and work your way out. <laughs> That's what I would do. I would, you know, check the cage. I would put a new dash in it. I'm not a big fan of the way this dash looks. And then I would probably do a little bit of tin work inside the car, in the trunk area, and then I would address the exterior. But that's not before I would take care of the engine. You gotta make sure this thing runs and drives. Okay, make sure it runs and drives and stops. That's kind of a that's kind of a necessity. Um, but once you get those things ironed out and you can move this thing under its own power, then you can start working on the interior, cleaning that up. And then the fun part for me is, you know, since this is a vintage drag car, you know, back in the 70s and late 60s, these cars were really wild at the track. You know, you saw them with the flashy paint schemes and the big, the big uh, door logos, and the whole car was just riddled with graphics, you know, sponsor stickers, and even crazy outlandish names on the side of these vehicles, and, you know, psychedelic paint jobs. That was big in the 1960s and 70s, and I'm a big fan. So for me, if I had this car, I would definitely try to steer it in that direction of vintage style. And the fun part about this one is it doesn't it doesn't have a name on it yet or any logos or anything like that. So you can kind of, you know, use your imagination and get creative with this thing. That's what I think is awesome. If you could get this thing track ready, then there you go, folks. You have yourself a vintage throwback drag car. How cool is that? I think they're awesome. And, you know, later on in this episode, we're going to get into why I think they're cool and why they need to be saved. And this one is no different. Sure, it doesn't have a crazy name on the side of it, like Dick Landy or something like that. You know, it's not a popular drag car, at least that I know of. Maybe it's got some history that I don't know and that the buyer didn't list. But this is kind of one of those cars that is a blank canvas. And, you know, car builders you know, whether you want to agree with this or not, are artists. Every car is a blank canvas for you to make your own. I really think this car deserves a second chance. Maybe at the track, maybe on the street, who knows? I'd like to get this thing on the street looking like a vintage drag race car. I think that would be awesome. And I would love to be seeing more of that. You know, even if they're, you know, clones. I don't mind. If I was at a stoplight, check this out. If I was at a stoplight and a Dick Landy 68 Dark clone showed up next to me. That's an underwear changing moment, folks. I would, man, that would be awesome. You know, because first you're going to hear that thing coming. You know, if, if it's true to the original, it would have a Hemi. So you would hear that thing coming and hopefully, you know, it's reasonably streetable, you know, so that it is at least drivable on the road. But that would be awesome. And I want to see more of that. If these cars are out and about more often, then who knows what kind of influence you may have on you know, young little Billy going to the grocery store with his mom and he's sitting in the back seat looking out the window and boom, there's your 71 super stock style Barracuda, you know, with a shaker hood jacked up in the back, 15 by 12 Craggers, who knows, you know, the options are endless, roll cage, the thing just is a monster and it just rumbles the kid's heart and he's hooked for life. You know, that's what I think is cool about these cars and they should be saved. So if you're out there and you see an old vintage drag car and you're like, oh man, that thing needs a lot of work. You know, obviously it was beat on, you know, think for a second, if you can get that car for a good deal, it may be worth bringing that car back to its former glory. And who knows, maybe even taking it back to the track and seeing what it can do. That to me sounds like a lot of fun. And 
I mean, this is a real GTX, so that's cool. You know, there's some value there. Will it ever be worth an original OE restoration GTX? Probably not. At least with the vintage drag car, you have a story, or you're going to build your own story. So that's really cool, and I, you know, 10500 really isn't that much in the Mopar world. Now, you could probably, you know, double your money and go get something that runs and drives, and it's actually not a drag car, but if you're looking at a drag car, you know, for longer than 30 seconds, if you click on an ad and it's an old drag car, and it's already been a couple minutes, then you know you're hooked. You know, you wouldn't be looking at a car if you didn't like it, and if deep down inside you weren't like, oh, this would be cool to drive on the road. In my opinion... I think this car is worth saving. 10000 yeah. Don't let this thing rot into the ground. And somebody out there has got to save this car. I wish it could be me, but unfortunately, I'm not in a position right now to do that. So it's got to be you. There's somebody out there listening right now that doesn't have their Mopar project yet. And maybe they have, you know, $10,500 burning a hole in their pocket. If that's the case, give this guy a call. He says he's firm on the price, so you better have $10,499, and you better get that deal. If he takes that deal, then he did budge on his price. <laughs> it's not firm if you say 10500 firm, but you sell it for $10,499. And that's the goal here on Talking Mopars, is to never pay full price. Obviously, I'm kidding, folks. Like I said, this car's a pretty good deal, so go out there, snatch it up, and save it. No Mopar left behind. This week's high-performance part was actually a suggestion from one of our listeners and story contributors. His name is Kevin Oman. He sent me an email. Here it is. He says, Hi Chris, not sure if you know this band, but they are one of my faves. They are a Finnish melodic rock band. Their latest video features a pretty badass Cuda in it. In fact, it basically is the video. Anyway, I thought you would probably enjoy it if you had not seen it already. Loved your listener appreciation week. Kudos for following through on it. Take care, Kevin. I checked out the YouTube video. It's a band called Brother Fire Tribe, and the song is called Night Drive, and it features a 1970 AAR CUDA. Now, Kevin reached out to the band just to see if he could get any more information about the car. And basically what they said was it's a 1970 AAR CUDA. It's got the six barrel. It's got the factory side pipes, all original interior. This thing is a numbers matching cream puff. Go check out Brother Fire Tribe. I thought it was a pretty cool jam. Uh... You know, I like that old, it kind of had an 80s, like, you know, I'm not very good with music, so I don't want to be insulting, but it reminded me of like a, uh, like an 80s action movie, like montage rock song. That's what it reminded me of. I thought it was pretty cool, and, you know, I'm a fan. I liked the music video, obviously, because it had a CUDA in it. I mean, how do you not like a song with a CUDA in it? So, go check them out. Brother Fire Tribe, the song is called Night Drive, and it features a 1970 AAR CUDA, all original and numbers matching. Thanks, Kevin, for the suggestion. That was High Performance Parts. This week's listener story is one of the ones that got lost in the shuffle. This one is from back in December, so I apologize to not only this listener, but any other listener whose story I haven't gotten to yet, and it's been a while. I promise I'm going through everything. I think I have them all. So I'm basically starting at the oldest and working my way up. So hopefully we can get through them in the next few weeks. We'll see. I'd like to get caught up eventually. So here we go. This story was sent to us from Andrew Miller. 
and he's got a story about a 1964 sports satellite convertible with a Hemi. Now, I had a couple questions when I saw and read this story, so let me read the story, and then I had some correspondence with Andrew after the fact, so there may be a couple red flags for you Mopar aficionados out there, so let's get into the story, and I'll let you formulate your own opinion. Here we go. Hey Chris, love the podcast. I've got a pretty good needle in the haystack story for you, and it involves a Hemi and probably 14 beers. After an evening of some heavy drinking at my good friend's pig roast, the majority of friends who came gathered around my friend's 1967 Mercury Cougar and my 1969 Dodge Dart. After drooling over our own cars, we headed inside where another old friend asked me if I was still strictly into Mopars because his grandpa just died and left the family a few nice cars and they were looking to sell them. As I began to predict the next words that came out of his mouth, I was shocked to hear him utter what I thought he said, Hemi Roadrunner. As I choked on my now lukewarm garage beer, I replied with, a Hemi? I was stunned to notice that none of the other muscle car owners in the kitchen paused to confirm the fact that Hemi had been uttered twice. Before I could say bullshit, he said his late grandfather also left a Challenger and a Barracuda all in real nice restored condition, but the Hemi wasn't for sale as the father decided to keep that one. Knowing that the potential likelihood that my current state of affairs wouldn't allow for the purchase of said e-bodies, I began to give up hope at acquiring the long-awaited e-body. Just then, he turned to reach for another beer and mumbled something else to the tune of, Oh, and this pile of shit in the back. Now this is what I'm talking about, I thought. So I respond, what do you mean, pile of shit? What is it? Oh, just a 1964 Plymouth Satellite or something like that, but it's really old and really can't be restored. You couldn't fix any of that. I began questioning him like Galen Gavier would to the owner of an unregistered Hemi car. Then the impossible happened. Just as I narrow down the potential options and value of the 1964 satellite, my friend then utters, oh, it's a convertible too, and it has the Hemi inside, I think. I really tried to not drop my now very warm cup of beer. I tried to play it cool for a minute and mentioned that I definitely would be interested in taking the pile of garbage out of his backyard for a nominal fee. I made my way to the garage for some alone time and made a couple calls to some immediate family I knew would have some money in case I needed it. Not realizing it was near 1 a.m. on a Friday night, my calls were to no avail. I knew I needed to do anything and everything to figure out if my friend was gloating or if he knew what the heck was under that hood. The next day I made a trip to his house and to my surprise sitting in the backyard was a 1964 sports satellite convertible with a ripped up white top, black interior, and maroon paint. Sporting two tons of rat crap was an untouched, totally original, numbers matching 426 Hemi under the hood. Now I knew that there could have only been 22 of these cars ever made with a rag top and an automatic transmission and I knew there could have been only a couple in that color combo. In the words of the late, great macho man Randy Savage, I had just stumbled on the cream of the crop. With a few calls and a sit-down with the family, I had acquired for my family the drop-top convertible that nobody knows existed. If you hunt those Mopars long enough, my friend, you will find what you're looking for. Keep up the show because I really like listening to it. Hopefully my story motivates some people to get out and track down an elephant behind a tree. Andrew, thanks for sending in your story. Once again, sorry that it took me so long to get to it. It got lost in the shuffle, man. I really apologize. But better late than ever. So... Here's the thing, great story, and anytime you can find a Hemi car, it's, you know, remarkable. So that is awesome. My only issue was that they didn't make Hemi satellites in 1964 for the street, especially in convertibles. They didn't come out with those until 1966, and you did send me some pictures, and it looks to me like a 1966. And if it is an original numbers-matching Hemi satellite convertible, you're talking about one of 27 to exist. So, I mean, if that's the case, you got a really rare car on your hands, buddy. And restored, that's a six-figure car easily. So, very cool story. I love stories like these. 
And I'm sure there's hundreds, if not thousands of stories about guys sitting around having garage beers and somebody mentioning a car that just happens to have some rarity. And you're one of the lucky ones that landed upon a Hemi. So very cool, Andrew. Thanks again for sending in your story. That was a good one. And that's that. If you have a story that you'd like to share on the show, all you have to do is send them in. You can email me, chris, at talkingmopars.com, or you can leave me a voice message on my voice mailbox. The number is 209-28-MOPAR. I can't wait to hear your stories. That was Listener Stories. Before I continue this episode, I should probably mention that you probably noticed a huge change in the sound quality. Now... I know I haven't talked about this much, but I've been doing everything I can to move this podcast in the right direction. And what I decided to do is move my office. See, in my house where I record this show, I was actually sharing an office with my wife. And inside that office, it had a lot of reverb, a lot of room noise. And it sounded like I was recording in a bathroom, which was not the case. But uh, I decided to move into a room that we really don't use much. It used to be our old guest room in our house, and it is now my podcast studio. Here's the thing. I actually just moved in this week, so I was recording the podcast, and this I was recording pretty late at night, and I was getting really tired, and I knew the next day was the big move. So I thought it would be interesting to cut the podcast off at the end of Andrew's story and continue once I got into the new room just to see what the acoustics were like, see what it sounded like. And nobody can see this right now, but I realized that this room, because it's bare, you know, I just moved into it. There's boxes everywhere around me. And I realized that the room noise was just as bad. (laughs) It was really, it really sounded echoey and a lot of reverb. So Believe it or not, right now I am recording with the microphone sitting on top of a pillow and surrounded by blankets to hopefully deaden some of that big room sound. And that's why there's such a big change in sound quality. Um, Once I get all the stuff that I have ordered as far as a new desk, and I'm actually getting um, some acoustic panels for this entire room, so that I can improve the sound quality of the show to make it more enjoyable for you guys. So I just wanted to let you guys know that it's not your radio, it's not your phone, it is definitely this podcast, and I'm stepping up my game, folks. I'm just leveling up a little bit just to give you guys a better product. So hopefully you bear with me as uh, I go through this transition process. I'll probably be putting this studio together for the next few weeks at least. I don't know when my desk is coming. I got a new desk And uh, I'm basically building an entire room in my house dedicated to this podcast. So we'll see where it goes. But I'm hoping that with the sound treatment on the walls and some improved equipment here in the next few months, the podcast is going to level up. So bear with me. But you aren't here to talk about my podcast studio and sound quality and all that technical jargon. You're here to talk about Mopars. And today's episode is all about Mopars and the quarter mile culture and hunting, finding, reviving, and eventually driving vintage Mopar drag cars. So let's get into it. When I'm hunting Mopars on Craigslist or when I'm out and about or anywhere on the internet really, every once in a while I'll come across a really cool vintage Mopar 
drag car. Probably retired, hasn't been at the track in a long time. Maybe has a little bit of history. Maybe it was just a grassroots car, but it does have some high-performance heritage. It's been raced. It's seen the quarter mile. It's seen the 1320. Now, when I see those cars, I just get this nostalgic feeling. I love them. I think they're great. And here's the sad part about it is when I see them, they're usually in various stages of disrepair or, you know, they've been neglected for a while. And it's a real shame because a lot of these cars carry a lot of history, even if it's not a giant name. You know, maybe you didn't find Dick Landy's 68 Charger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but maybe you found somebody else's car. One of my buddies had a Duster. It was a 70 Duster. And it was an old drag car, you know, toured the West Coast. And it was really cool. And it had old door logos on it. It was called Black Magic. I absolutely fell in love with the car. I thought it was awesome. And my buddy ended up giving it away. I really wanted to save that car, but I just did not have the means to do it. And I know a lot of you are out there going, wait, you were going to get a free duster? Yes, I was going to take the car. It needed everything. I mean, this car wasn't even a roller. I just couldn't do it. I had no place to put it. I, you know, it's one of those things where it wasn't too far gone, but it was definitely another project that I would be sunk into for a long time, and I didn't think it was fair uh, to the car. The reason why I wanted it was because it had that drag racing heritage, and these cars, you know, you'll find them with outdated roll cages and, you know, ancient-looking aluminum dashboards, and it's a lot of old craftsmanship that you see on these cars, and I love that. So the question is, what do you do when you run across an old Mopar drag car? You know, something vintage that hasn't been on the road in a long time, that hasn't seen the track in years, that's, for lack of a better term, retired. What do you do? Here's what I would do. If I came across a vintage Mopar drag car, I would have a couple questions first. Let's just say I already bought the car. Let's say I got a good deal on it. Where do I begin? Okay, this thing, let's say it got pulled off the track in the early to mid-80s. It probably didn't win any championships, let's say, but, you know, it had some fun. It was a grassroots car. So I'm going to give the car an overall assessment. I'm going to look at the cage, if it's even caged. I like the ones that you find that are caged and have been tubbed, and they just ooze 70s and 80s drag car. I love those cars. So you have to assess the car. Does it run? If it doesn't, let's get it running. What fun is a car if you can't fire it up? <laughs> you know what I mean? Then you got to start looking at all the vintage craftsmanship. Is it so out of date there's no way it would ever pass tech? That's something you got to ask yourself if you plan on racing this car. Now, it's a little controversial when you talk about roll cages and cars that you drive on the street. You know, are they safer? In certain situations, I would argue yes. Are they more dangerous? In certain situations, I would argue yes. You know, you're not wearing a helmet in some of these cages. They come close to your skull, and if you get in a bad wreck, you know, and your skull hits that cage, you may be a dead man or a woman. For me, I'm an idiot. I drive a streetcar with a cage in it. Not everybody's willing to take that risk. I am, so I'm going to look at the car, and if I got a vintage Mopar drag car, I would ensure that not only could I take it to the track and have some fun, but I could also drive it on the street. So get the car sorted out. 
get it safe to drive, and have some fun. You know, maybe you get lucky and the car still has all its original graphics on it. And, you know, maybe it's a little patinaed. How cool would it be to have a patinaed vintage Mopar drag car that ran and drove and was safe enough to take not only to the track, but drive on the street? That would be awesome. The history of the car may be hard to find, you know, but that doesn't make it any less cool because if you find one of these cars and it's got the name on it and, you know, it's got all the vintage graphics, there may not be any history on the car. So it might be fun to dig up that history if you can. And the fun thing about it is a lot of them had some pretty cool names, but maybe you get a car that doesn't have all the graphics. Once you get it running and driving and good to go, you can name the car. You know what I mean? You can take it that extra step to make it more of a throwback to the older times. And I think that's a cool thing to do. I think it would be cool to get a vintage drag car that, you know, maybe wasn't named and didn't have graphics on it when you got it, but you like that vintage style. So you're going to name it and you're going to kind of recreate something that you would see in the 70s drag racing. That is really cool because these cars, you know, you get them back on the road and they're going to remind us of a simpler time when drag racing had larger than life personalities, something that you don't see today. You see a lot of corporate stuff today. And, you know, look back in the day, Jungle Jim and Jungle Pam, especially. I mean, good luck seeing a show like that at a track today. I don't think it's going to happen, but, you know, maybe you can still bring the cars back to life. Personally, you know, I think a nostalgic vintage drag car build would be really cool. And, you know, there's something about a nostalgic build where you try to gather up all the vintage speed parts from that era. You know, maybe you can get some NOS parts to put onto this project to really make it a time machine of drag racing's golden era, you know, the 60s and 70s. So hunting down the period correct parts would be a huge challenge, a huge undertaking, but For me, that would be half the fun. Half the fun is the hunt. The other half is the actual project itself. That's my opinion. And I've seen a lot of these old drag cars posted for sale, and they get criticized a lot. They get beat down. And a lot of people consider these cars butchered. But for me, I think they're worth saving because, you know, they're a part of the history and the culture of Mopar drag racing, even if they weren't, you know, a Dick Landy car, or a Sox and Martin car, or something on that level of importance, I think all of those Mopars that ever saw track time are important for the culture. And, you know, if you do take on a build like that, a nostalgic drag car build, one of the greatest reference materials probably ever is Superstock and Drag Illustrated from back in the day. I have stacks and stacks of these old magazines, and I love just thumbing through them and reading the old articles and looking at all the old pictures and just seeing what things were like back then. I love reading the articles about, you know, national events and stuff because you get a real, you know, sense of what it was like back then. And it kind of takes me back when I read those articles and stuff. I'm just like, gosh, You know, I was born in the wrong era, guys. I've said it before, and I will say it a million more times. I should have been born earlier so that I could enjoy that time. And, you know, that would have been a blast. But you can get 
away with crazy stuff when you go the route of a nostalgic build because you could put the outrageous paint and the giant graphics on the car and nobody's going to criticize you. In fact, they're probably going to be like, wow, that's cool. It reminds me of so-and-so's car from back in the day. And I think that would be cool. Plus, you're helping keep the spirit of Mopar drag racing alive. And you're going to stand out in a crowd. I'll tell you that. If you take a vintage Mopar drag car build to your local car show, you're going to draw a crowd. You're going to stand out. You're going to stick out like a sore thumb. It's going to be nuts. People are going to look at that car and go, whoa. I hope that more people get into building nostalgic drag cars. I think that would be really cool. And, you know, I think it's going to be more popular here in the next few years. I think we're going to see a lot more of it. And, you know, how can you not want to emulate the legends of the 1320? You know, the Ram Chargers, Don Garlitz, Dick Landy, Sox and Martin, Don the Snake Prudhomme, Tom the Mongoose McEwen. The list goes on. The names. Dragon Lady. You know, it's like, you know, you got Shirley Muldowney. There's just, gosh, so much history there. And that's another reason why I like to go on YouTube and just find any vintage drag racing videos that I can and just watch them, just take it all in. Because that was such an amazing time in Mopar history that we can't forget about that stuff. We can't let it die. And I think, you know, other than watching old videos or looking through old magazines or seeing old pictures, I think the best thing that we can do, aside from those things to help keep the culture alive, is to do these vintage style builds. I think they're going to be really cool. Like, this is what I would have done back then. I think that would be amazing. And I think that you would get, you know, a lot of kudos, especially from the older crowd that was there during that time. So they could be like, wow, yeah, this is exactly what it was like back then. The cool thing about Mopars is they will always be tied to drag racing. I mean, just think about all the super stock cars, the A990s, the Hemi Darts and Barracudas, the A12 Super Bs and Roadrunners. And then now you get into the modern era, you got the drag packs, the Scat Pack 1320s, the Demon. You know, Mopar history is stacked with drag racing. And I think we can keep the vintage era alive by building cars that are vintage themed. And I want to see more of that. So hopefully you guys are on the same page. I just, you know, I see so many of these retired drag cars, like the Project Car of the Week this week. You know, it didn't have the crazy graphics on it. And it looked like just a grassroots, you know, drag car that somebody had fun with on the weekends. And I think it's awesome. But for me, I'd have to be able to drive it on the street too, just so that I can show people what those cars were all about in their heyday. And that's something you don't see too often. I've never seen a Dick Landy tribute car on the street. I've never seen a Sox and Martin tribute car on the street. You know, but I have seen drag cars that people have found and revived at shows. And let me tell you, I've seen it firsthand. Those people will walk right past a wing car to look at this ex-drag car that is still period correct. And it blows my mind, but that's kind of what inspired me. I was at a show in Oregon and I saw this guy who had a demon that was as vintage as you could get. And I fell in love with that thing. And that's what clicked the idea of, gosh, I really want to see more of these vintage drag cars. If you're out there listening to this, hopefully, maybe now you'll reconsider some of these drag cars that, you know, are in need of restoration and need to be revived. Hopefully you go, okay, maybe I'll take that job on. 
because these cars need to be saved. That's all there is to it. And they're cool. I don't think I've ever met anybody that's seen a vintage drag car, even in a magazine, and just didn't say, wow, that's cool. You know what I mean? A gearhead, a true gearhead. And, you know, like I said, Mopars are just, the history is littered with drag racing. So it's part of the Mopar culture, drag racing is, and especially the vintage stuff. So let's keep it alive. And if you are interested in building a Mopar drag car, whether vintage or a modern version, one thing I would suggest is going to visit my friends over at Ready Chassis. You can find them at readychassis.shop. That's R-E-A-D-Y-C-H-A-S-S-I-S dot shop. And what they can do is they can build you a Dick Landy replica. They can build you a, they can build you a Hearst Superstock Darter Barracuda replica. They can build you whatever you want as far as a drag car goes. And they specialize in it. So if maybe you want something more modern, maybe you're a modern guy, maybe you want a drag pack challenger looking car. Maybe you want a car like a drag pack challenger, but you know, there's only a certain amount of drag pack challengers that exist. Well, guess what? Ready chassis can build you one. And you know, if I had it my way, I'd send him my dart and have a uh, 69 super stock replica built just because I don't have a 68 and I wouldn't want to convert mine into a 69. I just want to take a 69 and imagine if Chrysler had said, oh, okay, we're going to continue this. We're going to continue building these super stocks into 69. I would love to have my dart converted to a 69 super stock Hemi car, but with a modern generation, with a modern third generation Hemi, I think that would be cool. But Go visit my friends over at Ready Chassis. They can help you out. Maybe you found a retired drag car and you want to bring it back to life. See what they can do. If nothing else, they have a great site. They also sell parts. So you can go over there and get your parts. And, you know, those guys are really cool. So go check them out. Once again, that's readychassis.shop. And you can find the link in the show notes or show description or just by going to talkingmopars.com. I have links to all my buddies over there. That about wraps up our discussion on reviving old drag cars. If you find one, send me the link. I'd love to see it. I love just looking at them. I think they're awesome. And, you know, let's get those cars back on the road. And especially, let's get them back on the track. No Mopar left behind. There you have it, folks. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. That was another fun one. I love vintage Mopar drag cars, as you probably could tell by listening to this episode. For more information about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And also, don't forget that you can send me your stories, questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, and everything else on your Mopar-addicted mind to Chris at TalkingMopars.com or leave me a voice message on my voice mailbox at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. And lastly, folks, we now have merch in the Talking Mopars merch shop. You can purchase cool things like t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, mugs, and more. So if you want to help support the show and get some cool stuff at the same time, follow the link in the show notes or just jump on over to TalkingMopars.com. That does it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind. Thank you to our friends over at HemiPages.com, ReadyChassis.shop, and DIYHemi.com.